This is I Don't Care If You Listen Podcast with my mom, Shawnee, and my auntie, Leonica. This is episode 32. I hope you have a good day. I love you so much. May the force be with you. If you love them, you don't even know them. I love the whole universe. And then the next most loyal voting block are black people. Okay. For the Democrats. For the Democrats. You know, it makes up, like, I think, like, a good 25% of the party. Wow. Um, I mean, black women came out 94% against Donald Trump, you know, in, in 2016. And when you look again at the math, when Obama um, ran in 2008, the percentage of black voters that came out went up. Um, it, I think it goes around like maybe anywhere from 64% to 67% of black people in America came out to vote in 2008. And then when you look at 2018, or sorry, 2016, that number went down to like 59%. So, and then Hillary lost. Like I know for a fact in Michigan, um, Hillary underperformed in the Detroit area mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there were other little areas in Florida and like Jacksonville and in some other areas um, where Hillary underperformed. So this is kind of what brings me again back to Biden is that there there's a very, very, very strong possibility that if he is the nominee that he will be putting Stacey Abrams, um, a African-American woman who was the first African-American woman in the history of the United States to be a candidate for governor. Wow. Um, yeah. And so this was, you know, governor for Georgia. And she uh, pretty much won. But was robbed <laughs> but, of the election by the Secretary of State. <laughs> yeah, the Secretary of, Secretary of State was running the election and running for governor. And this man, Brian Kemp, um, he has been like the architect of voter suppression for uh, over like a decade or, you know, almost a decade at this point. He purged. 300 to 500,000 people from the voter rolls like a year or so out before, you know, Stacey was running against him for governor. He would hold up voter registration forms in his office. They wouldn't process them. You know, I'm talking like 50,000. Just shove them in a drawer. Nobody ever saw them. Yeah, things like that. Or people would register to vote. They wouldn't get their card until later or they or they would request an absentee ballot it would come you know late and things like that didn't you just find out something with with um kimi your best friend didn't you find out something with her voter oh yeah yeah just yesterday this literally just happened yesterday or tuesday so tuesday was uh national voter registration day yep so you know they were saying like people were posting about that i was posting about it and you know, they were saying, okay, check your reg- registration. So it's very important to keep going to the, your secretary of state, you know, to the, the database online, the voter file, and check to make sure that, that you're still on the rolls because some states are purging people for erroneous reasons, and then some are doing it, de- you know, deliberately, especially if you're a young voter or a voter of color. But really, it, it's applying to, like, all kinds of, you know, everybody now. So I went to – I checked mine, and it was correct. And I'll, you know, I'll do that like every 60 to 90 days. I'll just, you know, check, you know, especially here in Georgia. And when I do it, I usually will just go ahead and check my best friends too. Yeah. So I told, so I checked hers and I noticed that her address was incorrect. <laughs> and I know for a fact, I just checked it like about, you know, 60 to 90 days ago. And it was, it was correct then. 
so we were like what so we you know i told her you know she called the, the secretary of state's office who like they were barely helpful but then they at least did say like contact your county so we contact the counties um the secretary of elections for the county and they're like oh yeah you know no no here's the here they kept saying the incorrect address was in their database and they were trying to imply that that was her address and she's like no that is not my address and so finally we had to send an email and, and they made the change and then we also submitted the story to verified action oh good which stacy abrams um voting organization that are they're tracking a lot of these voter suppression issues across the country good. so that was just like a, you know a very real thing you know that happened like another form of voter suppression <sighs> and so so again um Stacey Abrams, you know, she she didn't, you know, uh, win this campaign, you know, for governor. I think she lost, you know, lost, quote unquote, by like, like 30 to 50,000 votes. But then what ended up happening, there's like a good 30 to 50,000 votes absentee ballots that um, are missing. And so they're in federal court right now, um, the Abrams campaign against the state of Georgia, because they want um, the department of justice to keep overseeing Georgia's elections because that was something that that was put in place under the Voting Rights Act is for the Department of Justice to oversee um, the voting operations in the South due to all of the you know Jim Crow issues and everything through the years. But when Trump got it, well, no, actually when the the Republicans took over the Senate and you know everything, they uh, under Obama they changed those laws. So now there's not as much oversight happening on a federal level into these southern states that have a history of trying to prevent um black people from voting and that goes again back to that true justice documentary yeah um so the good the good news though is stacy abrams is like this hero for voter suppression you know these days um she has an organization called fair fight action and they are setting up in 20 battleground states and setting up voter protection to help you know address these issues before you know the actual election and so we're not doing it like retroactively after the you know the election is over um but there's a good opportunity that or a good possibility that um she will be uh biden's running mate um if he's the nominee and that will definitely help bring some excitement you know yeah. and some fresh energy to the ticket it will help with young people um black latino asian you know uh white voters and the reason i say this is because she has already broken um historical records in georgia as recent as november 2018. she got the most democratic votes out of any democrat in the history of georgia wow she got more votes than obama more than hillary and more than bill clinton who won the state in um 20 or sorry 1996. So she has brought in, um, she's increased the voter turnout for everybody, um, even with white vote, white Democratic voters. Um, and she also has an appeal to some swing voters and some independents. So she's not like super extreme. Like she calls herself like a, a pragmatic progressive. Yeah. Which I feel like I, you know, I relate to. And she's a woman, she's very smart and she has a strong appeal. And she is one of the few people out there who's really trying to hold up our democracy through this um, voter protection. So I think Biden and Abrams would make like such a strong ticket and that would help put um, the South into play because Georgia has, um, we have an opportunity to flip Georgia again, blue, 
Um, and we have two Senate seats up here, uh, so that would be helpful. It'll also be helpful to Florida because, you know, Georgia's um, a battleground state that's only going to strengthen Florida as well. And when you look at the numbers, once again, going back to the numbers, when you have a strong African-American candidate on the ticket, you win because that is going to increase the voter turnout among African-Americans, and that is a strong part of the Democratic Party. So this is why I just feel like Warren and Bernie at the top of the ticket is we it's it's not as strong. We won't. I don't think we'll have a shot at the South. I don't think we'll have a shot at the Senate seats and in the states that we need, which are in the South: um, Texas, North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama. I mean, I don't think the Dems can, can win all of them, but we probably could win one or two with the right you know combination. And, it, and I don't think, I don't know. I mean, Abrams says she'd be on anyone's ticket, but I just don't think that we can have like two women run or be on a ticket, you know, that you need more balance, you know, usually with tickets, so. Well, and I think we, again, I, and, I, and I hate to, you know, dumb down, you know, these profound things that you're saying, but when I say dumb down, I really think it does come down to we have to start back at zero. We need to start back at, at, in a position to where we're just coming into civil rights and we're just, you know, like we need to go back and we need yeah. to start at like when I'm and when I say go back, I mean, we need to start over when we're thinking of the mentality of the people who we need to inspire to vote. Um, Absolutely. We need and to I get mean, basic. This, yeah. And I mean, it's like people will say like, oh, you know, <clears throat> Biden is a. Uh, he's moderate or he's a corporate dem but i mean biden is still very much a democrat like yeah. he's for voting rights you know keeping the voting rights act you know he's for building on health care he's for women's rights you know he's for same-sex marriage he's for uh you know like he's not um some or he's for the assault rifle rifle ban right. i mean he's not like some super like extreme so i don't i mean i think the party's being pushed to the left but it's like let's not get like well it's too crazy You're right. thinking he's not for some of the same things that we are for. He's for the middle class. I mean, these are all very democratic, you know, principles. Right. And he can appeal to Republicans who don't like Trump, you know. Um, and I think when you look, you have to really, like, look outside of yourself, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Trump just gave this huge wealthy, you know, this tax cut to the wealthy, Um and it's not to say that all of them need it or want it or like, you know, they all like Trump because of it. But when you look at the other extreme, which is Warren, and she's saying, okay, we need to have this ultra wealthy tax, you know, or we need to go after Wall Street and the 1% and this and that. Now you've scared people, people away. Nervous, oh, absolutely. You know? I, I have a conversation. There's a gentleman um, in my son's karate class. His son is also there. And he's come out and, you know, we've, we've chatted and chatted during, you know, our little one hour splurt, spurts. And he said, you know, I'm a Republican and or I, I only because of the money. He, he said it. I just yeah. the only reason that I would vote Republican is for the money. Yeah. So you're right. When people like Warren. So here's a question for you, then. I'm not 100 percent sure how the process usually goes, but I don't feel like we're in a state of anything usual right now. But yeah, we're not. do you think that there is something to be said for hurry up narrow down the field let's do it quickly so we can galvanize quickly let's get our own dog whistles out of of messaging so that we could do that and and the longer we take to kind of thin out the field and make it very clear who we need to get behind um the more we're kind of shredding our own 
segment of, of, of the population. I'm worried that the Sanders and Warren people are going to ruin this for us. <laughs> I know, right? They scare me. I mean, it's, and again, like, I, I, I totally agree. I feel like we are just in, like, wackadoo times, and, you know, and, and this is all, everything I'm saying is just based on literally September 26, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And things can change, but I, I do also feel like some things are still going to say stay the same you know as far as you know some of the things i'm saying in regards to numbers and how campaigns are run yeah i think it depends on a lot of things like i feel like since i mean if i'm going back to just 2008 and the way the obama campaign was run it was very disciplined very focused um and so even though there was a long primary and, you know, there was a lot of back and forth with Hillary and Obama and everything, and it, it you know, it just seemed like a contentious primary, it wasn't as hard to then turn around and get going for the, the general because his campaign was so, they were so focused and streamlined. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, I mean, there's, there's so many people running and, for to me like for trump i mean let's let's look at the republicans they are canceling primaries in in republican primaries in certain states because they don't even want um anyone challenging trump i mean to me that's messaging 101 to me that is i hate i mean you don't want to to silence people but to me that is like everybody else get down we're gonna do this this way Right. I mean, and it's like, I mean, and that's another form of, you know, voter suppression. Yeah. You know? So it's like, yep. this voter suppression is not limited, you know, to Democrats or minorities or whatever. But like, that's a great point. You no, know, that's another form of voter suppression. But what I'm trying to say is that is how crazy, crazy. I'm not saying we should be like this. No, no, no. Saying, I know. Like, that is their mentality. Well, sometimes. <laughs> you know, so they're sh- shutting down primaries. And what are we doing? We have like a thousand people running. That's crazy. You know? Like, but I mean, it does, it, what it feels like it's doing, and like for me, it's blue no matter who. I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, right? Oh, absolutely. But for what, for some people, I feel like it is like they will be like, well, if Bernie doesn't get the nomination, I'm out. Well, don't do that. Like, you can't do that. Right. You, you did that last time and we got screwed. Don't do that. You yeah. know? And I think, um, well, right now, I mean, honestly, I, I, there were, cause I, I was like, oh yeah, Warren, you know, at one point, you know, kind of before Biden got in and then, you know, I went, I saw that documentary about true justice yeah. and I went to some civil rights museums and really like, it really jolted me back to the reality, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and the history of this country and, you know, who has been presidents and how things have been set up and, and, you know, things of that nature um, where it just kind of made me think like, okay, we do have a little bit longer to go maybe before we can really have a woman president. Yeah. I mean, just being honest, yep, I mean, true. not to be like cynical. No, but that's and, where we're at. Um, we got to start over. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's like, we just really, it, you know, and it's not just like a political, it's a, you know, it's a mentality. It's just how women feel about themselves. It's a lot of things, you know? Um, but the beauty of a beauty of America is that you do get a, um, an election every four years. So who knows? Maybe we look up in 2024 and we do have our woman president. Um, but as far as a woman president going up against a woman per, woman going up against Trump for president, I just I don't know. <laughs> um, you do. You she, absolutely know. You know. Oh yeah. And I know. Yeah. We know. Uh, it's not yeah, a good idea. And it's, and it's two things. One. Um, 
back to David Plouffe's podcast, um, he said what I know to be true. Um, he was just saying, expect high voter turnout for Trump in 2020. And he, he thinks this is Obama's, like, you know, key strategist and everything who knows where the votes are and everything. And he was saying, expect those MAGA hats to come out and defend Trump, you know. And I think so many of us, there's a lot of us um, on the left or whatever, however you want to, you know, frame things, who really hate Trump. But guess what? There's a lot of people who like him or they don't think he's doing that bad or they think that he's being picked on. Um, and, and when you look at, like, history and the numbers again, back to Obama, he won big in 2008. In 2010, lost – or not – Obama, but you know, the Democrats lost the House and the Senate and everything. And then in 2012, when it came time for the reelection, Obama's base and everybody who loved Obama, they came out and defended him and got him reelected. Yeah. So it's like you got to expect the exact same thing for the incumbent president, which mm -hmm. is just, it's just hard to take down an incumbent president in general. Right. So this idea that, you know, everyone's just going to fall in line and realize how ridiculous Trump is and they're not going to vote for him again is like, completely naive like this man should not be um underestimated and this is why we need um a combination of like someone like biden who can appeal to the democratic loyal democratic base as well as some swing and leaning republicans and some never trump people and uh some independents but then he also needs a strong running mate, and that's why I really feel like I, I'm praying that it's going to be Stacey Abrams because then she can also galvanize a large number of voters because you have to be able to overwhelm the system. Like, it can't be close again. You have to overwhelm the system with voters turning out in order to win not just the popular but the electoral college. And right now, I mean, even Bernie has a broader coalition in some ways, you know, than Warren. It might be a little weaker, but he has appeal with young voters and with young um, black voters and Latino voters and, you know, things of that nature. So like, I just don't see, I keep asking my Warren friends, like, okay, how, how does she win? How does she win? Like she needs to overtake Biden and Sanders and maybe even Harris um, with black voters uh, to have a shot. And if you're struggling with them in the primaries with your own party, mm -mm. that is not a good sign for the general. <laughs> Um, back in the olden days when I used to work in radio, um, I, you know, a, a business that is 90% male, I used to have male program directors tell me all the time, women don't particularly like women. Women don't particularly care for women. You, you got to be careful. It's kind of, you know, hit or miss. Women don't like women. And I feel like we're back there. We're in that state where we're still trying to figure out how women feel about other women. So until we can kind of figure that out, I don't think that there is a spot right now. Uh, for that to happen, I like I, I was a, I was all about Liz Warren too. Um, I really was. And then, like you said, when Biden came out, and I realized what we were up against. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to probably come across as very cynical. I okay. have said this to to Chris, to my husband, and he thinks I'm crazy. Um, I don't think that we're ever really tr with everything that we've said about numbers and and Abrams and you know the voter suppression and fixing it. With the Russian intrusion on our election being so clear um, and the way that it was done through social media uh, and how dependent we are back full circle to social media, how dependent and how integral it is in our lives day to day, I genuinely don't believe we, not that we've ever had clean elections, 
mm-hmm. but I don't think that we can really ever feel confident in our election system again. As I understand it, isn't isn't the 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 election committee like isn't there some shortage of of people uh, overseeing national elections now and and they can't even agree whether or not you know how we're I don't know if the candidates have even talked about in the debates about how they're going to protect against this type of intrusion um Chris says to me oh Shalini just wait just give it three elections we'll be back to some version of a working machine again I don't know do you feel like we'll ever get to like good you know full of integrity type of situations is that coming how far are we from that you know, and this is uh, two things. I So when I talk about Bidens and Abrams, I mean, Biden and Abrams, like that possibility. I mean, we don't know for sure if he's going to pick her, but it's a, it's, I'm still hearing it's very, very strong possibility. It's like the most logical choice mm-hmm. when you look at the math and the electoral college. But that's like my own, like that, that is the thing I'm holding on to for hope because I have to hold on to something for hope. Um, but the reality of the situation is, Trump can definitely win again. Like even Biden and Abrams or whoever runs, it's still not, you know, a, a guaranteed yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, he still could very well win because of the things you're saying about, you know, the election interference, um, about just, uh, all these things that already have been put into place, like through the state legislatures, you know, a lot of these, um, state legis. if, if you watch rigged, um, the documentary, it'll go into it, but, there's just been a lot of things put in place to help suppress the vote. So even if we have like the best candidates, you know, I don't care if it's Barack and Michelle running again, like it, we still won't know, you know, yeah. if they could really even be Trump because of all the, the, you know, people meddling in our elections and things that are going on. Yeah. Um, which is, and I, I am going to get to your point about the, um, the federal board of elections, but what I was going to say was when you were saying like this whole, like willing, what a, whittling down process of the candidates yeah um i do think it's like it is early you know on one hand but on the other hand it's like the sooner we can like i hope really honestly by like march we my god know, that feels like so long oh i know god. like because i think it's i mean it's it's probably close almost to like 130 days or something until oh. iowa you know the first votes are cast and everything but um you know, I, I hope that we can have a candidate or a good idea. I mean, it may not, you know, people may not drop out or we may still run a full campaign with, with a lot of people, you know, running, but I hope we have an idea around March because the sooner you can kind of coalesce the money, you know, and people, you know, want to talk about fundraising, but you have to be able to raise money so you can run commercials in across the country. That's expensive as you know. Yep. Yep. Um, Yep. You got to be able to run not just commercials about your candidate, but then you got to be able to run commercials to respond to attacks and misinformation. You got to hire staff and you have to train them and you have to set up voter protection and all these things. Those things take time and money. So the sooner you have a candidate or have an idea or at least have it down to, you know, two people or, you know, people know where to put their resources and their time and energy. And you got to, think about it like the whole time the dems are running these primaries trump is just out there running his re-election campaign like he raised i think like a hundred million dollars or so last month or so um he raised like 50 million this past um couple of weeks in hollywood 
He's, wow. he, I forgot how much money they said he's just spending on like Facebook ads. So it's like the longer the primaries go on, he doesn't have one person to run against. You know, he's just, he's running against, you know, anybody. Um, so the longer we have these primaries and the longer we have these candidates and especially those who really don't have a chance to win, um, that's when, you know, I start to get concerned, you know, so hopefully we'll, we'll, you know, we'll kind of know and hopefully those people who know they can't really win or, you know, it, it'll take a lot for them to overcome, they will drop out. So I'm going to give you an example. When Barack Obama ran in 2008, because because it's not about winning states so that's one thing that people have to remember like it's about winning delegates during the primary so hillary hillary won more states than barack obama but barack obama won more delegates because that's how the democrats a lot you know they lot delegates um for their primary so when barack obama he won iowa he lost new hampshire but when um South Carolina came about, he won so big in South Carolina that he got a lot of delegates. And really, that's when really, honestly, Hillary's campaign was really over at that point on the numbers because he had, because she could never, you know, he had too much of a lead on the delegates that she could just never overcome it. But she just continued to run and continued to run, you know, all through June. So I just, I hope that, you know, maybe... I mean, I don't know. I don't, I doubt we're going to see this, unfortunately, because so many people are still running, but I wish like by March or so, or April, I hope we have an idea of who the nominee is. So at least we could start pivoting towards some strategy for the general, because we do need that time. And when you mentioned about the, um, the federal, like the federal board of elections, it's, it's supposed to be a bipartisan board. Um, and I think, um, different parties appoint people as well as maybe something through the president but right now they um they've they haven't appointed the enough people to the board so i think now there's only like three or four people who are on this board and then there's a bunch of um vacant spots and either trump or either you know something affiliated with the republicans like they're they're stalling these appointments so they can't even have a meeting because you need like four or five people on the board to even have a meeting and they don't have enough people. So all these cases regarding um, fundraising or financial contributions regarding elections, any cases that are, are, brought, are brought to this board, none of them are being heard. Nothing's happening. Everything is stalled. So, I mean, what does that tell you? <laughs> For me, it's starting, honestly, you're going to think I'm a smart aleck. My husband thinks I'm a smart aleck. But it honestly gets me into thinking about the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> It gets well, me. We're, we're like on that train for sure. Because it gets me thinking. Because all I keep thinking is the people who lived through the Great Recession, the the Great Depression. What would their advice be before? Like if they could look back at themselves and they could talk to themselves before the Great Depression happened, yeah. what would they say to themselves to prepare? Because I genuinely feel like if there's not people overseeing elections. Or at least being hood ornaments to just in the position to pretend like they're overseeing elections. It's pretty scary to know what that would turn into. Um, Yeah, that's that's pretty scary. The other thing that I think about frequently with the whole electoral college and, and delegates and the way that's done, you know, West Coast family and friends, they think their life is great. West Coast, best coast, they don't need to do anything. Um, East Coast people, their life is great. They don't need to do anything. They're around everybody who agrees with them, you know, and so why those bubbles are great. Um, 
is is there ever a way legally to incentivize people to move to places where we need i mean le legally i am assuming you can't legally give incentives to political to polit you know for political beliefs but i wish that i could like tell all the rich people in seattle and la like hey you know in florida you don't have to be here all year round to be a resident wink wink <laughs> just saying you know <laughs> But is there, is, is that something that can be done? <laughs> well, she, but that, but it's, well, two things I was going to say. One, um, yeah, definitely. I just feel like, uh, another thing that really blows my mind. Um, and this is something that I heard Joe Biden speaking about at the event that I went to in Miami. And it's something that I've heard Stacey Abrams talk about. There's a YouTube video where she's speaking in front of the council on, on, on foreign relations um, to them in, in Washington, D.C. The thing about it is um, the United States, like, you know, because we have this uh, leadership in the world and, you know, we've been this superpower and, and lead, you know, a lot of countries have looked to us for a lot of things. Um, if we set a precedent where our elections are are openly just you know unfair and we're suppressing the vote this sets a precedent in, in, uh, in other countries so there's real global ramifications you know for what is happening here because um you know we are supposed to be this strong democracy and we've promoted democracy you know around the world and so if, if a lot of things that we're doing i mean people are watching what the u.s is doing and if we're off the rails it's going to open it up for other people to be off the rails i mean and if you look at some of these other countries you know they have their own versions of you know donald trump yeah or like or their own versions of like a super right-wing um agenda you know that's very divisive and anti-immigrant and anti-people of color and and pro-corruption and things like that so it's you know what happens here is going to reverberate out to the rest of the world and that's like a whole other you know, dangerous, um, or, you know, that would make Trump, you know, very dangerous. But, um, I was going to say, that's the thing too. A lot of the, um, South has changed. Um, there's a lot of people who are moving here. I mean, I'll give you an example with Atlanta because there's so much of, um, so many movies being shot here and things like that. So you do have people from California who are moving here and you, and because of the cost of living being less, you know, you have, and the cost of living increasing in places like New York and Philadelphia and all these other places, you do have people moving to Atlanta. So Atlanta, I mean, the demographics have changed as far as who lives here. And this is why um, the Republican Party is so um, scared, especially down in the South, because um, these demographics are changing. Like even outside of Atlanta, there's this area where it's a lot of um, Latinos live and and even in parts of Mississippi, there's a lot of um, blacks and Latinos who, you know, who live there now. And so these demographics are changing down here. And this is why it's interesting because it's, it's being able to put um, a place like Georgia into play. Yeah. And maybe even one day Mississippi might be able to be, you know, a competitive contest. Uh, and if you look, once again, if you look at history and you watch that True Justice documentary, the Republican, you know, party as of, you know, the last 30 years they have really perfected what they call the Southern strategy Yep. where they want to stay in control of the South. And then when you look at education, uh, wage equality, you know, all of these things, um, I think infant 
mortality rates and all of this, women's health and everything. The South ranks the lowest, but yet it ha- it's in- in- the Republicans have controlled it for so long. So again, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not about policy. Like, people will vote against their policy or, you know, like their interests all the time. Yeah. It's about yeah. culture. Yeah. And the culture is changing, you know, in parts of the South. Um, like, there's a saying in Atlanta where they're like, they're like, they say like the new South. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's why, again, it's like we really need someone at the top of the ticket who can put some of these Southern states in play. And again, you know, Abrams being on, on Biden's ticket, if that happens, she can help put Georgia in play and Florida in play. And like when you do that, when you look at the numbers and the Electoral College, the, the Democrats, they don't need to win with Florida. It, it helps. It helps. But but the, the Republicans, they they have to win Florida and like they have to win the South to have any shot at the rest of the Electoral College. So if we're able to kind of cut into some of that you know, that takes some pressure you yeah. know, off of Democrats having to win. I think the Democrats have to win like three or four of those Midwest states and Trump only needs to win two because he has Florida, if he has Florida. Right. So we we need someone who can like ex- expand the map and change the map. And that's why Obama won. Like Obama didn't follow the same map that Kerry did in 2014. Like he, or t- 2004, sorry, 2004. I think I said that earlier. It was 2004, not 2014. Yeah. But um, he changed the map, you know, in 2008. And so that's, that's you have to think about those things because that is, it's not popular vote, it's electoral college. Yep. You know, so it's important to be able to have someone who can expand and, and talk to all different, you know, parts of the country because the United States is so diverse culturally. You know, it's, it's, it's very different from Colorado to Georgia to Michigan, you know, to Wyoming. <laughs> it yes. boggles my mind. Uh, I feel like here in Florida, especially where I live, there's kind of this air of, you know, what patriotism looks like, you know, the pickup truck with the, the flag and, you know, oh, yeah. you hang the flag in front of your house and the don't tread on me in front yeah. of your house and the Confederate flags to them, that's patriotism. And when I think about the bubbles, you know, the bubbles in New York and LA and, you know, wherever those bubbles are, uh, I, I sometimes long for that. I sometimes long for that feeling of being around people who understand the way I understand. But then I realize that the more people like me that come into places like this, the better off we are. I'm so curious to know why certain people consider themselves patriots when they support behavior that is so unpatriotic. I think it's a struggle for a lot of people because it's like you said, it's culture. It's culture. It's a cultural thing. And in those bubbles where people are exposed to a lot of different cultures and Indians are meeting, African-Americans are meeting, Muslim people are meeting, people from all, and, and, and in bubbles like this where it, there is there is a segregation happening. There is a separation happening. It's still here. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting to watch, but it's also this whole idea of being a patriot to the country that I love. So much. I used to be so proud when we used to travel. I used to just be so proud of carrying my American passport. No matter what happens, no matter where I go, I've got my American passport. And in the past couple of years, I've kind of been having this feeling of like, where where have my parents brought me? What what did they do? What did they do? Where did we come? Because 
because now I have a child I have to think about, you know? Yeah. What conversations are safe to have? Where can you have the conversations? I firmly believe that a lot of the Republican Democratic divisiveness circles around the pro-life, um, pro-choice debate. I feel like so many people hang their hat on that, and that's literally their line in the sand. Um, and we don't have these bigger conversations of what our real issues are day to day, like what's really affecting you. And if you're looking at my patriotism based on my skin color or based on my heritage, then that's where we're automatically hitting a, a, a speed bump at the onset, you know, and that's yeah, kind of tough. You know, it's really a mentality, you know, that <clears throat> again, I mean, I'm one of those people I have a, I had a friend, he was coming from another perspective, but I mean, I'm really one of those people that feels like it's important to look at history and like really understand it. And, you know, and because you, it, it can be repeated. Yep. But it, it may not be like in the exact way that it happened, you know, before. But, you know, when I look at a lot of things that are happening at the border and then just the way, you know, Trump kind of came out against um, Mexicans and, you know, Latinos and things like that. It's like I see some of the same things like family separation, you yeah. know, I reminds me of slavery. You know, I look at like the mass incarceration and now how Latinos, I think, are now becoming the highest uh population of um, people being incarcerated because of the everything that's happening at the border and then they're actually like shipping a lot of these people who cross the border they're they're sending them into prisons in the south like in louisiana and mississippi and and again this is like now it's it's continuing this free labor you know but now it's a different group and, you know, and then even with um, just looking at, like, how, you know, 9-11 happened and then, you know, Muslims were really getting, you know, a lot of uh, pushback. And then and then now it's Jewish people. I mean, and the hate crimes have gone up, yep. you know, since Trump has been in office. Each, each year, hate crimes go up. Significantly. And then the Trump administration, they pulled um, people from the FBI, I believe, and people from the Justice Department from looking at these hate crime cases like i think they closed it was like a division or something i feel like they they closed or they definitely like downsized tremendously um people who were investigating these hate crimes so my whole point is you know we a lot in general a lot of times in, in the united states like we think that we've come so far and we have like we definitely have come very far yeah um but it's like you really just have to stay vigilant because we can fall backwards you know um a few steps and at the same time too and you know on one hand there's ideas like okay you know as these people who are racist and bigoted as they get old and they you know die and things like that like like as if that'll just die out but no especially like again since trump has been in there and now that we have access to twitter and you know social media you know you see a lot of young people who are following right into those same ideologies so it's not i don't think it's just like an age thing and a generation thing like that's one side of it but then it's about a certain ideology yeah and i think it gives them certain licenses that people feel emboldened um when even one iota of their ignorance is displayed as okay they feel like well he did it or it is okay, he's fighting for our rights, so I'm going to stand next to him and be that way and talk that way and sound that way, and it's okay. Sure. It's a lot of fear, and it's a lot of fear building that is going on. Yeah. It's just sad to see. It's sad to see yeah. when you have a kid. On yeah. Friday, they're doing an active shooter training at my kid's school, 
and he and I go to a climate strike. Being a parent in 2019 is taking your kid to a climate strike to save the earth that you brought him onto so that he can have air and water when he gets old while there is an active shooter training happening at his school. Like, how effed up is that? It's so... I can't even imagine. Twisted. (laughs) It's so twisted. But see, this is what I wanted... The other thing that a lot of people may not know about you is Mm -hmm. um, aside from... Um, being a lawyer and from having worked on the Obama campaign and having been extremely politically active over the last numerous amount of years, you also are on the spiritual path and you've got a great podcast on the spiritual path, um, Mm -hmm. which is a a, a great listen. I've listened to a few episodes and thank you for those, but you practice yoga and I'm here. We are at like an hour and a half a talk, but I really am curious as to how you have found the, I mean, I'm sure it's taken a lot of spiritual growth and practice and practice and practice, but to be able to maintain a sense of calm and spiritual growth while witnessing the chaos. And you've been witnessing a lot of this stuff for years. When you and I first met, you had done um, some work in the racial employment issues. Is that oh, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, like yes, yeah, the civil rights investigating for the employment discrimination. Yeah, yeah like staying down a spiritual path, but while realizing and recognizing all of these discrepancies and and and, and horrible, really unfair things that are happening to people. How? 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 <laughs> how? That's part of the reason how I just really <laughs> went deep into my spirituality i was already doing yoga but then i did my yoga teach my first yoga teacher training at least um after the obama campaign but then i went back into politics and working on with his organization to help um pass the health care law okay so but i was just gonna say well a couple of things um one it's like i really through yoga and through you know just my own spiritual pursuits it's like i really try to look at, at people as souls okay Okay. so that kind of helps you know give a little bit of distance of just like these you know we're all these souls on this planet having this experience you know and we were brought here for different reasons for different lessons and trials and tribulations and things like that um but uh when i think about this past summer i I, I, well, I teach yoga, but now I'm moving into trauma-informed yoga and education, and wow. that's more of just, it's a different approach uh, to use yoga to move trauma through the body and, and become more aware of how trauma impacts our lives. Wow. And so there was this group of college students, part of this Race in America program, and I, Kimi, my, my business partner, and I, we were brought into this uh, program to offer these services to students that were traveling around the the deep south visiting these um civil rights historical uh places like places where people were lynched oh boy like we went to the lorraine motel where dr king was shot you know we went to the store where emmett till uh you know the, the whole issue with emmett till and um supposedly whistling or touching this white woman and then later on you know, they, he was kidnapped and a, a mob of a white men like killed this man and everything. So they, we were going back to these historical places and, and we were meeting with um, civil rights icons and things like that. And that's why I say like, we have come a long way. Like I can go, like I'm gonna be registering voters this Saturday. Like I don't have to worry, 
you know, right now that I'm going to walk out the door and go down the street and then see my friend like hanging from a tree because they try to register voters. I mean, that's where we were, you know, in the fifties and sixties. Wow. So, you know, those things have changed. Yeah. But we're at, but we were actually like speaking with people in Mississippi, in the Delta of Mississippi, um, this man, Charles McLaurin, um, we spoke with him and he, I mean, he witnessed this, like, he was friends with um, Medgar Evers, and he he is the one who recruited uh, this woman, Fannie Lou Hamer. Um, Fannie Lou Hamer was an African-American woman, and she was one of the people who was very huge in the civil rights movement um, and, and helped to register voters and things like that in, in the Mississippi Delta. And so this man, Charles McLaurin, he actually recruited this woman. So. Fannie Lou Hamer was living on, she was a sharecropper, living on the land where her grandmother had been a slave. And her mother lived on the land and was a sharecropper, and then Fannie was born, and she was a sharecropper, you know, living on the same plantation that her grandmother was a slave, and she she was still sharecropping at age, like, 41 or something. And then um, Fannie Lou Hamer, so Charles McLaurin came to Mississippi, he was, I'm sorry, he was from Mississippi, from Jackson, but he came to the Mississippi Delta and he was trying to like register voters. They were killing people, you know, at that time who were trying to register voters. And that's when he met Fanny and he took Fanny off the plantation and, and taught her how to organize. And then Fanny Lou Hamer went on to organize. But one thing I learned this summer was that Charles McLaurin said, Fanny Lou Hamer would always say, we are fighting against principalities. So we're not fighting just against like people. Like it's, it's principalities, like it's, it's evil ideas or, yeah. you know, like these evil principles, it's, you know, and it's energy, you yeah. know what I mean? So that is why, you know, she would always like pray or just do something spiritual to pretty much say like, you know, just protect and cover us as we go out and do this work. And then, and then, you know, when you look at Gandhi, when you look at Dr. King, like, and Dr. King obviously was inspired by Gandhi, like these people who are these, you know, amazing icons and, you know, created these amazing movements, it, this was not based on policy, you know, like, yes, there's some policy, but this was like, they had a spiritual grounding, you know, and they used spiritual ideas and, and spiritual philosophies and things like that to be able to do the work that they do. So that's kind of like, I feel like there's like a direct, um, you know, correlation. And so I try to kind of, you know, just be deep in my spirituality and say like, okay, we have to fight against these principalities or just try not really fight. I want to say fight, but just transmute and, and, and change, you know, these, um, principalities and appeal to souls and appeal to, you know, these more spiritual based, you know, levels of people, you know, because otherwise like if you get too caught up in people and I mean, I do too some days, um, you know, it starts to, you don't want to start having that energy poison you, you know? So that's why I say like, you know, there's Republicans out there who are scared for their children. And I mean, I'll give you an example, like Lucy, Congresswoman Lucy McBath, like she's my Congresswoman and the district that I live in is a part of Atlanta. That's like on the line of Atlanta. And then it goes into the suburbs. And this was a very conservative um, district. Like Newt Gingrich was over this district for years. And, but anyway, um, Congresswoman Lisa McBath, like she won this district uh, last year, be- and it's a largely, you know, it's a swing district, but she won because a lot of these um, mothers were very concerned about the um, the killings and the shootings that were happening in schools. And Lucy had lost a son 
to a senseless hate crime. Mm. So she's very like um, strong on gun control. So, you know, there's, there are ways to find common ground, you know, with people and, and, and things like that, because they have the same fears and they have the same hopes and things. And I just feel like it's better for us to kind of go towards uniting. I mean, it's hard to think about that sometimes because it seems so divided, but I just feel like that is better than going towards more divisiveness. Yeah, a lot less of the yeah. my club, your club, and realizing the art club. I do feel very strongly politically about the way things are. But at the end of the day, it's more from a place of wanting to push love and have love be the overall ruler of everything we do. I, I, I strive to get there because then the, the cynic in me is to stay in your bubble. But that's not who I am. That's not where I want to be. What I wanted to say to you was I am sorry about your father. Um, oh, thank you. Thank I'm really you. sorry to hear that that he, he passed earlier this year, right? Uh, December 29th. So late last year. I'm sure he was just extremely proud to see, one, you graduate law school, but then kind of take your path into politics the way you did. And I think kind of melding it and making it, you know, not only a balance of the numbers and the facts that we need to grow and change and, and, and adjust those principalities, but also maintain your own personal growth and stay calm in your mind and peaceful in your mind and, and, and love yourself, the people around you, your community, your body, yourself. I, I think that that's, I mean, kudos, you know, Mr. Donaldson, you did a great job because I, <laughs> I just think that's, that's a really well-rounded person. And I, 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 I honor you for that. I think that's fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. I that do. was so nice. I really, I received that. That's very kind. Thank you. Good. I do. <laughs> I'm sure we'll probably talk again. I mean, who, I mean, honestly, like I said, this is our assessment based on September 26, 2019. Yeah. Who knows what will happen between like now and then, um, we should talk like, def I mean, we'll talk before, but we definitely need to talk like, we should definitely do them like a year out and see where we're at with everything. Like, I would love to. Yeah. Well, even if, if, if you and I can commit to maybe chatting again sometime late February to kind of see where things are. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to put this out. It's probably going to be two parts. I'll put out two yeah. pieces and however you feel like using it, it's all yours too. Um, and then I, I just feel like let's let's kind of circle back. Anything could happen by February, but if you and I come back by February, we can look at the numbers again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know I'll be looking. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. And I, in the meantime, I'm going to keep this looking at people as souls message in my head, and yeah. <laughs> and try and 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 try and look at people as souls because you're right we need everybody it can't just be one camp or the other it's kind of got to be a, a group effort so i am so glad you were here robin donaldson everybody on the spirit path is the podcast and robin is i will be you'll be seeing messages and things like that from robin because i love sharing her stuff um the documentaries that we've talked about you gotta watch uh, True Injustice, you've got to watch Rigged, uh, the podcast David Pluff, that's a podcast. And one more podcast, um, 538.com, yes. they have a podcast. Cricket Media, they have Pod Save America. Yep. And Pod Save America is, um, the podcast is with these two former speechwriters for Barack Obama, and they work in the White House. And then I would say just, I mean, in the meantime, definitely registering voters, definitely uh, checking to make sure that you're still registered. You know, always check your name every maybe 60 days or so to make sure that you're registered, because there are state elections coming up um, in November or so. You know, those are all good things to do, too. And definitely consider Googling Stacey Abrams and Fair Fight Action and, and making a contribution. Even if it's just like $5, it goes a long way. 
Awesome. It's not us versus them. It's all just us. So I appreciate yeah, that perspective. <laughs> yes. We're all Americans. Yes. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. A podcast with Shalini and Yana.